On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. Many other states around the Midwest, many other states around the country have incentive programs relating to major economic growth attraction opportunities, and we don't. And so we're at a competitive disadvantage right now. The legislature gets back to work next week. What are some of the key areas of concern for business? Americans have a negative view of the U.S. economy. That's according to results from a new national survey. And in our business profile, we'll reintroduce you to a Quad Cities manufacturer of micro-rooms for maximum impact. This is the Iowa Business Report for the first weekend of 2024. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. The gavel falls to open the second session of the 90th Iowa General Assembly on Monday. The first week of any session typically includes the governor's condition of the state message, the chief justice's condition of the judiciary address, and opening speeches from leaders of both parties in each chamber. Groups such as the Iowa Business Council have a list of legislative priorities they hope will gain traction under the Golden Dome. IBC members are focusing on three main areas, competitive tax policy, workforce strategies, and passage of a mega-program. Joe Murphy is president of the Iowa Business Council. He shared details about the group's legislative agenda when we connected via Zoom on Friday, December 22, 2023. One of the things we have talked about multiple times over the past few years tax policy. There have been a lot of changes to our tax policy over the past few years. Assess how helpful those have been, if you would, and where should we go from here? We're not finished. We're not finished, certainly. We're in a really good spot, though. In 2022, the legislature and the governor led on an initiative to greatly reform Iowa's income tax codes, and we're marching on our way towards a flat tax here in the state of Iowa over the course of the next four years. We're in the first year of a five-year phase-in of those reforms. And so we'll go to a 3.9% individual flat tax rate within the next five years. And then on the corporate side, we'll get to a 5.5% flat rate once our state achieves certain revenue metrics and performance standards into the future. And so We're in a really good position. We have a really great foundation on tax policy. And I think this legislative session, given how fiscally sound and how fiscally well our state is performing, I think that there's an opportunity to accelerate some of the phase in of the recent reforms and even have a conversation about what future rates might look like. And so we're very enthusiastic about the conversation so far and look forward to the legislative session. Well, let's talk a little further about the scheme that was put in place, the schema that was put in place. Obviously, the state could have just dropped the rates down immediately. They didn't need to stair-step it as they have done. What was the rationale behind having this spread out over this five-year period? You know, I think the main rationale was to make sure that we could be bold, number one, but also afford to be bold. And so the legislature and the governor put forward, I think, a really clear-eyed approach on achieving a, a flat tax, a more simpler a more fair rate on individual tax reforms. And that phase-in allows us to take stock as to where we are each year and make adjustments if necessary. And I think 
The fact that, again, we're in a really good fiscal order right now. Coming off of this last fiscal year, we have billions of dollars in reserves. We have more than a billion dollar surplus from the state's perspective. And, and the Revenue Estimating Conference is projecting even more revenue coming into the state over the course of the next year. And so we're in a really good position to have these conversations about advancing an acceleration of those timelines in a thoughtful and prudent way based on data, based on the economic consequences and results of current and past policy. And I think that's an appropriate thing to do. Take all the data in, see where we end up, and then make adjustments based on that. The triggers were put in place to avoid situations like we've heard about in a few other states where they went too far, too fast, and then they had to either walk it back or they were not as comfortable with the situation as they should be. So this was really a matter of being extremely cautious and prudent to make sure that the cuts could be afforded, if you will, at the state treasury. Absolutely. You know, that's why you have that five-year phase in on the individual side. And then to your point on the guardrails or the performance metrics that must be met on the corporate side to make sure that the state can afford the tax cuts. You know, I think that that's really important. We don't want to be in a position where we end up like Kansas, where we cut taxes, increased spending and, and had the bottom fall out. So that will not happen here in Iowa. I have great confidence in that. And we're, again, marching in a direction that will provide even more revenue and more opportunity to make our business climate more competitive. Do you have a target percentage in mind, or are you simply, as an organization, advocating a conversation and you're open to the concept of recomputing the math, if you will? I think that's where we're at. We don't have a set target in mind on the rate side of things. As you know, Jeff, the rate is just one sort of aspect. It's how complicated the tax code is, how many brackets, what are the fine print areas that need to be read before you know your whole rate. So we really look at climate. And when we think long term, we would really like to see Iowa be a top 15 state in tax climate, both on the individual side and on the corporate side. And so while we are very supportive of the 3.9% rate that we'll eventually get to on the individual side and the 5.5% rate that we'll get to eventually on the corporate side, we're open to conversations on how we prudently and effectively get to those rates more quickly, and then also then have a conversation about what is the appropriate rate. Maybe there's an opportunity to go lower. Time will tell. I think that's one of the important things to think through as policymakers are tackling the subject. A more fundamental question, what difference does it make in terms of competitiveness for the income tax rate and the system to be simplified and the rate to be appropriately low? What benefit does that give Iowa as you compete with other states for these jobs and opportunities? I think it comes down to transparency. What the rate says is the rate you'll pay. I think it really just comes down to that. We know in years past that Iowa missed out on economic expansion opportunities or new companies even coming into our state because our tax code was complicated. It was too high from a rate perspective. And then when you look into what companies were actually paying, it was a convoluted way to get to that number. And so if we can provide simplicity, more importantly, if we can provide transparency, that will generate more economic opportunity for businesses and individuals. And on the individual side, from a competitive standpoint, we're already, our companies, our Iowa Business Council companies are talking about the reforms on the individual side to lure new Iowans into our state that may be in very high cost of living areas around the country and certainly around the Midwest. And so when you pair our eventual rates, our lowering tax rates 
with our already low cost of living, it's a really great opportunity to market Iowa from a fiscal standpoint, particularly for family. IBC clustered priorities into three basic categories. We've just talked about competitive tax policy. Let's now discuss workforce strategies because that's a category that has evolved over the course of time. What's the focus for this next year? I think we recognize at the Iowa Business Council that workforce strategies and initiatives are holistic. So it's about child care. It's about housing for everybody in our state. It's about providing mental health services for individuals as well to make sure that they're fit not only at home, but in the workplace and that their families are taken care of. And so you'll continue to see the business council engage on sort of these non-traditional business aspects, making sure that our companies are not only providing leadership in this space, but that the state is producing policies that reflect affordable and high quality childcare, housing for all, and an emphasis on mental well-being for every Iowan and their families. I think that's really important when we talk about growing our economy, growing our communities, and making sure that Iowa is a great place to live, work, and raise a family. IowaBusinessCouncil.org is the website where you can learn more about the organization and also this trio of legislative priority categories. And as we continue with IBC President Joe Murphy, the third one is MEGA. And that's not just the size, that's an acronym. Tell us about the mega program that you folks support. So we're supporting a piece of specific legislation this year called the Major Economic Growth Attraction Program. This is an opportunity for the state to go out and try to lure a great business, a big business into our state, talking about all the competitive things that we talk to. But sometimes in order to close the deal, you need to offer different incentives and different packages to incite a company to move across the border and enter our state. And so this is an opportunity for the state of Iowa to hit a home run. This is a competition across the entire nation to try to get new companies and innovative companies into different states. And right now we're not even able to compete because we don't have one of these programs. Many other states around the Midwest Many other states around the country have incentive programs relating to major economic growth attraction opportunities, and we don't. And so we're at a competitive disadvantage right now. The good news is there's great bipartisan support for a program like this. This legislation passed 45 to 2 in the Iowa Senate last year, and we're optimistic that we'll continue to have really good conversations this year with the Iowa House and make sure that we get this done. And I think the most important thing is This package is tailored to the core competencies, if you will, of Iowa's existing economy. So it's talking about attracting businesses in research and development, biosciences, or advanced manufacturing. So it really fits in well with the core focus areas of Iowa's economy right now and will provide a tremendous opportunity to increase our assets, both in physical assets on the ground, but also human assets, new people moving to Iowa to follow those jobs into our communities, which is just a great opportunity. We talked just a minute ago about the Future Ready Iowa workforce. This is really about providing a Future Ready Iowa economy, and we're very happy and proud to support that initiative. Joe Murphy, president of the Iowa Business Council. More on the group and its list of legislative priorities online at iowabusinesscouncil.org. The 100-day session is scheduled to adjourn on April 16th. Still to come, gloomy viewpoints. And later, from tiny house to big business. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Hello, Iowa. This is Michael Swanger, owner of Iowa History Journal. Don't miss the cover story of our January-February issue about the most famous bank robber in U.S. history, John Dillinger, who robbed a bank in Mason City almost 90 years ago. 
Our new issue also features stories about Johnny Carson, Governor Harold Hughes, Iowa athletic trainer Doc Alsop, and more. Pick up our January-February issue at Hy-Vee, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, and other locations. Better yet, subscribe and visit us at iowahistoryjournal.com. Welcome back to the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. 2023 started with many analysts forecasting a recession. That may not have happened from a strict definitional standpoint, but Americans are not optimistic about the economy and their finances as this new year starts. A year-end poll of Americans conducted by the Associated Press and the NORC Center for Public Affairs Research at the University of Chicago found that three-quarters of respondents described the economy as poor. And while two-thirds said their expenses have gone up, only one-quarter said their income has. That's a disconnect from statistics many economists rely on, but those year-to-year -year statistics do not take into account the cumulative effect of inflation over the past four years. For example, the inflation rate was 1.4% in January 2021, when the current presidential administration came into office. It increased by more than six times to 9.1% at its worst point. While the current inflation rate is now close to 3%, that's still an increase each month, on top of the huge jumps that happened in the past couple of years. In other words, consumers see that while the rate of increase is not as high as it was in, for example, the summer of 2022, they see that prices continue to go up. Analysts say not to discount the lingering financial and psychological effects of what became the worst bout of inflation in four decades. In fact, one member of the Federal Reserve's Board of Governors said in recent public remarks that Americans are not looking for disinflation, that's a slowing of the rate of price increases. She said they want deflation, a reduction of prices, to where they were before the spike. Census Bureau surveys show that nearly half of Americans say they are very stressed by inflation. That's roughly the same number as last year, a time when the rate of inflation was more than double what it is now. And as if all that were not enough, the Global Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development estimates that international growth will slow in 2024 to 2.7%. That's down from around 3% in 2023. Coming up, quick setup, long-time use. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. A new year brings new opportunities for Iowa soybean farmers. From biofuels and policy to a changing market landscape, many factors impact the value of Iowa soybean crop. Learn about these trends and more by attending Farm Forward, powered by the Iowa Soybean Association, on January 30th. Register today at IASoybeans.com and position your farm for success in 2024 and beyond. The Iowa Soybean Association, driven to deliver for Iowa's 40,000 soybean farmers. Welcome back to the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. In this week's Business Profile segment, we'll revisit a conversation I had in August of 2022 with Fred Smith of Fast Packs, based in Davenport. 
He told me about a then-new product that evolved from need and improved upon a basic concept. The company is FastPaks, F-A-S-T-P-A-K-S. The name comes from the fact that these little micro units, they're 8 by 12 with a 10 and a half foot cathedral ceiling, 96 square feet interior space, and they fold flat to about 24 inches for ease of transportation and storage. We learned of the concept really back in the 2000s from a, an item over in Europe that was being used, but they were much bigger, much more bulky. So my partners and I started thinking, wouldn't it be nice to have a micro room that was maybe smaller, lighter, cheaper, faster to put up, faster to take down? And so we started designing this, what is now the, the micro unit called the Fastpack. They're steel frames, so they're totally customizable. We started in 2018 with this idea. We, as a business strategy, said we don't want to hire our own staff to manufacture these things. We want to sub those out, and we'll just do the business development and marketing. So right after we got started, there was a business in West Davenport, a manufacturing firm called ESCP. We had discussions with them. They were very excited about working with us. And shortly into that relationship, the president passed away. That was a very sad time, and it set us back a lot. We finally got back up on our heels and started going again. And then 2020, COVID hits us. And so for the last couple of years, it's been a struggle. So we've been a firm that persevered because uh, any one of those would have been difficult to overcome. So there's stories all the time about when businesses succeed, it's because of perseverance. And that's where we're at right now. So these units can be used any number of ways. Think about what happened to us during COVID. We work from home and a lot of places didn't have room for an office or if they have children, the children need a place to play while you work. So these things can be customized any way you want. They can come in a variety of panels. For example, we use sunroom vinyl panels with screens called Weathermaster System. They fold into each other. The windows can be vertical or horizontal, fold into each other for 75% ventilation. You can have man doors, you can have sliding doors, you can have insulated hard sides. You can totally enclose the thing. So one of our first prototypes that we built was a solid insulated four sides with a man door, heated and air conditioned, fully wired. When we got that done, we learned a lot, of course. So we didn't want to just get rid of the prototype and throw it out. So we went to uh, an organization in town that works with the homeless called 180. And we asked them, can you use this? And they said, oh my gosh, absolutely. So we donated it to them. In fact, that got us to where we're advertising that for every fast pack that we sell, we'll donate $100 to that organization. Because these things were limited only by your imagination. So they can be poolside rooms. If you have a swimming pool and you need a little shelter beside it, perfect. It can be an office. It can be a playroom. It can be a social room, a dining room, a bar. You, you think about what, what do you want to do with it, and we can customize it to meet your needs. One of the things that I thought was fascinating when I started learning about the product, it seems to be the sort of thing, not only multi-purpose, but I think of some people who discuss adding on to their house. You know, we need another room. We want a sunroom. We want something. And their fear is that if they put the investment into that structure that is part of the existing house, they may not get the return on the investment when it comes time to sell it. What you're suggesting with this product is if I want, in essence, a sunroom, I can buy a fast pack, 
it can be connected to the house either through an entryway or just off the main building. And if I don't want to sell it with the property, it condenses to 24 inches and I can have it reinstalled at my new property. I mean, that's that's a fantastic bit of versatility and flexibility. That's exactly right. That's one of the big benefits of a fast pack. They're temporary structures. They don't require a foundation. They just require being level. You can do that with shims. You can erect it pretty much anywhere you want. We have a couple of display models around the Quad Cities. One is at Twin State Technical Services, and they were, just as you described, they were out of room, and they wanted a conference room. So we built one for them, and it's adjacent to their back wall, which is an insulated hard side. And then the, the two sides in the front of the fast pack are the vinyl. So they have a beautiful view on three sides. They sit right off a of Duck Creek Park golf course, and now they're fighting over space in it. They had to put a reservation system in so that people could reserve the spots. So temporary, you don't need a building permit. Again, it's a temporary structure. It's not taxable. So there's a lot of advantages because it is a temporary structure. And as you described, if you change it, change the, the location, you can fold it back down, ship it to your new location, pop it back up. Fred Smith is co-owner of Fast Packs online at fastpacks.com. That's F-A-S-T-P-A-K-S dot com. We connected via Zoom on Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. That's where you'll find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR Extras and IBR Business Profiles. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 18 now in all. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the group's 2024 legislative priorities by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.